Hi, everyone. Welcome to Consulting with Authority. This is Scott Cantrell. Really, really excited to be joined today by the founder and president of Fairway Business Advisors. He's also uh, the co-author of a book called uh, Start It, Grow It, Sell It, The Journey of Business, which we'll talk more about, and, uh, and has had a very interesting and very career, which we'll get into, uh, that has brought him to being a business coach and business strategist today. Really excited to have him on our podcast today. Uh, Jeff Rasmussen, welcome to the podcast. Uh, great to be with you, Scott. Thank excellent. You. Excellent. So uh, kick us off here, uh, Jeff. Give us a little bit of insight and intelligence into where you came from, how you found yourself in this world, because I know like so many of us, it wasn't, you know, you weren't growing up as a kid saying, oh, I'm going to be a, a business coach or a business strategist uh, when I get older. Um, there were other things that happened along the way. So kind of give us that uh, that quick outline. No, it's a long way from being uh, every boy, little boy's dream of being a baseball player. Of course, uh, that's right. Yeah. It's, it doesn't always work out that well. So <laughs> no worries. But yeah, I, you know, I, I also start kind of at the college stage. I mean, I went to, I, w- I went to the University of Iowa and studied accounting. So and I, and I went through that, and then that was that was all well and good. And I'm a reco- and I I spent 20 years in finance. I'm a recovering CPA. Um, I got to the point in my life and my career where I just said, you know, I think I've done what I want to do in finance. And I was working for a printing company in Eastern Iowa. And during that process, we started uh, we started getting serious about quality. And you know, the quality movement was kind of going on in that era. You know, the whole Duran, Deming, Crosby, you know, triad of, of quality theories. Right. And it really interested me. So we didn't really have anybody in-house. It was a, you know, small-ish company, 150 employees. And we really didn't have anybody in-house that was, um, you know, right. that was right up their alley. So uh, we were talking one day and I just, I said, hey, how about if I get us started on having a quality system? So I had a little bit of experience that in my, in my previous company, also in printing. I've got a number of years in printing. But and uh, we talked about a little bit about what that would look like and decided, do we go lean? Do we go Six Sigma? That type of thing. So we ended up going the lean route. But that, to, before we did that, we wanted to create an actual framework for quality, um, just you know, more of the behavioral side of things and, and the mentality side of things. So we did that. And that was just super fun for me. And it really got me interested in operations. And uh, even though I'm, you know, I have my CPA certification, which I, I don't really use anymore. But um, I was really, really throughout my career after I left public accounting, interested in the operational side of finance and how can finance make businesses better. And so I really, I thought to do that, I really needed to know what was going on on the shop floor. So as I was in manufacturing businesses, um, I, I just I had a just just had a desire to be out there on the floor working with the operations management to help them do a better job, understand their costs understand, you know, what waste costs, you know, it's not, it's not just the materials that you throw away as part of the waste process It's the time mm-hmm. time's a killer in manufacturing. So the old time is money thing was, was very evident as we had those conversations. And the more I did that, the more I really thought, you know what, I think my future is in operations. So that, that's where I ended up. Um, take us, take us fast forward kind of to 2008 when the economy went down, uh, the, the, the first most recent time, um, right. uh, I, I left, I left there at their request. I mean, they were cutting back left and right. So I, um, left the printing company, went to work for another business that turned out not, not to be the right spot for me. And at that point then I bought my own business, um, an auto repair business, oddly enough. 
And I t- it was a, always a hobby of mine. I was kind of a car geek. And um, um, so I took a hobby, made it into a job. I uh, still own that today, even as I'm being doing my business coaching. But um, it just, uh, it, all, all those stops along the way, you know, from finance, then getting into quality, then in operations, I had a little stint in sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, made me ready to own my own business. I, I couldn't have done it, you know, 15 or even 10 years before. Uh, our our two sons were grown up and out of the house. So they, you know, I didn't miss any of their stuff by starting my own business. And then once you do that, of course, you throw yourself at it. And my wife, with my wife's blessing, of course. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the very, very Reader's Digest condensed year, condensed 30 year version of that. So. Uh, no, it's tremendous. And so I can certainly relate from having, I don't have the background that you have in terms of finance, ops, and accounting, but having you know done different things within different firms, different played different roles, put on different hats, you do kind of have to get to a point where you're saying, okay, I feel like I can do this. Now I'm going to need help. But I right. feel like I can. I feel like I can. Uh, I can do this successfully. I know enough about the different areas of business to to proceed. Of course. So uh, that brings us to Fairway Business Advisors. So yeah. uh, give everybody a little bit of an overview of what Fairway Business Advisors is, who you work with, and the types of services and really the types of results you help your clients get. Sure, sure. I mean, it it was it when we we moved from Iowa to Wisconsin about five years ago, and. Um, I really didn't have a specific job that I was doing up here other than supporting my my, my auto repair business in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started volunteering for the, the SCORE organization, which is part right. of the federal government. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And I thought, hey, okay, if, if I can do that for, you know, for a vol- on a volunteer basis, maybe I can do this part-time and uh, work with a little bit larger companies. You know, typically with SCORE, I work with startups or sure. very recently post startup that are trying to get their, their feet on the ground. Um, but I thought, well, if I can do that, maybe I can get into this with a little bit more advanced companies, companies that are down the road a little bit. And it kind of ties into the, one of the themes in the, in our book and just, you know, things kind of came together for me with the, the score experience and then starting to um, write the book in the book, we talk about, um, moving from working in the business to working on the business. Sure, and that's yeah. really the focus of my, of my, my coaching business. Um, I work primarily with uh, printers and manufacturers because that's my background. That's what I know. Um, kind of know the lingo. I know, I know people in that industry and uh, in those two industries. So um, we combining the knowledge of, of kind of working on your business and, and finding companies that are stuck, you know, they've, you run into people all the time. They say, Oh, I have my own business and, and, you, and I can't help but start talking to them a little bit. And, uh, and they say, Oh, Oh yeah. And you know, I work 60, 70 hours a week. You know, that's the way it is when you own your own business. <laughs> and I go, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Kind of get this deer in the headlights look um, on their face. And, and I had this happen at a high school football game for which I'm the, the PA announcer for them. And we had a, cool. a lightning delay and I started talking to a guy about that. And I said that to him and he just, uh, he needed to change the subject really fast. He had no idea what I was talking about, but it's, it's a real common thing. And I, I find that that's, that as I run across business owners, they're, they're, they're typically really successful. Um, but they, they're kind of the lid on their own business. Yeah. And, and so they need to learn how to you know pop that cap a little bit, step back and, and get people in the right places so they can still be the owner, the boss, the, the CEO, let other people take care of some of those other functions and they usually take off and they can, they can grow again. 
the backside of that is when they're ready to sell. Now, if they if they do what we talk about and implement the things we talk about, that's a turnkey business now, and that's that's a sellable asset. So that you know, if they're the if they're the revenue generator, it's not going to sell for much, if anything. But right. now that it's a it's a going concern, just swap out owners. You know that that's valuable, and right. so they they generate value at the back end when they understand that. In addition to the stress they're under and the number of hours they're working, you know, it really they they get the sense behind what I'm talking about in terms of um, transitioning how you behave in the business to something uh, much more not hour by hour, minute by minute, um, but uh, you know, working again on the business instead of you know right down in the in the dirt with it. So, yep. No, I mean, I think that's really, really important. And, um, you know, my my latest firm is relatively new. Uh, and so I, I've, I've certainly had that experience about uh, working really, really long days or working really long weeks for a, an extended period of time yeah. and trying to make sure that I am not becoming the, the log jam or the bottleneck within my own company, that I'm not arbitrarily or unnecessarily uh, limiting my own capacity. Um, and I still find uh, that I still yeah. get in my own way from time to time. But tr- I think the key thing is having an awareness of it and, and knowing that there is an alternative and people like you out there to help to help people like me, you know, free that capacity, free that capability up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and you're like you said, you haven't been at it real long. So it's it's a natural it's, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I can't just I just can't cut and run. So that's not the way it works. So it's it's a it's a progression. It, it's a it's sure. an evolution, not a revolution. Yeah. And so you, you know, you might go from a hundred percent in the business to 5% working in the business. So you mm-hmm. would pick one thing. Let's start with you handing this off to somebody else who's perfectly yeah. capable of doing it. Okay. How's that going? Okay. That works. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Let's take another, let's find another task and another task. And we just, you usher them out of the day-to-day business until, you know, there's, there's a balance in there too. They're not going to completely step away. I mean, not everybody's crazy enough to do what I've done and move 300 miles away from my business. So <laughs> um, that, that came with its own set of painful lessons. And uh, so sure. they get to learn from those painful lessons on my part too. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're out there. I've hired coaches as well. I mean, I practice what I preach. Uh, gotcha. I, sure. None of us knows everything and uh, we all need help sometimes in admitting that I'll be honest, is not an easy thing. You know, our egos get in the way in a big time, in a big way. Yeah. But you know, swallow your pride and in which I did and got some help and it really helped me. Yeah. Well, same here. That's my experience as well with the mentors and coaches that I've worked with. Um, let's talk a little bit about so maybe it's a good time to talk about the book and your co-author who has an interesting story. So I'll let you talk yeah. a little about that, but specifically, um, you know, most of uh, the listeners and viewers of this podcast, they may be in the process of starting a new practice or starting a firm. But regardless, virtually all of them are are thinking about they're in growth mode, right? How can I how can I expand and grow more and more? So maybe within the scope of you talking about the book, how it came to be, your uh, your co who your co author is, and so forth, right. you can start to dive a little bit into business development you know, what you've experienced and, and focusing in on that grow pillar of the three, start, grow, sure. sell, yeah, focus yeah. in on that growth uh, piece. And we'll have a conversation there. Yeah, you bet. Well, Lou, Lou Bannock is my, uh, is my co-author and this was really his brainchild. Um, Lou is a, a, a banker in the Milwaukee area. Um, he and I met 
Oh, we are the dates a little fuzzy, 87 to 89, somewhere mm -hmm. in there. I was working for a printing company and uh, he was working, just had joined this bank and um, we, were, we were doing some letter of credit financing overseas for buying computer chips for, for books that we were producing in the printing, at the printing business. And, um, and uh, it happens that uh, he is, uh, was a NCAA champion wrestler at the University of Iowa and an Olympic gold medalist. Wow. as was his twin brother. Um, so <laughs> if you follow college wrestling at all, and you're of a particular age, you know Ed and Lou Banning. Sure. And so Lou um, came and we met, and uh, just it was just it was really interesting. Of course, I knew who he was on campus because he was somebody, and I was just one of 30,000 other students you know, <laughs> at the university. So um, I was just a regular, regular guy. But um, when we met, we just really hit it off, and we stayed in touch over the years. And probably, I don't know, 2016, somewhere along those lines, um, he reached out to me and said he was writing this book. So he, he said, would you take a look at it? And so I did and uh, gave him a number of pages of, of comments. And uh, through all of our conversations, uh, he, he, long story short, he says, hey, you want to co-author co this with me? And I was honored, of course, but sure. my wife and I were moving. We were building a house and I go... <laughs> Jeez, I, I don't think I could take on anything else and, and do it justice. Right. So he, you know, he appreciated that, and we just kind of went on our way. And so, probably, I don't know, a, a year, a little more than a year later, I called him up and said, "Hey, Lou, how'd that book turn out?" Because, mm -hmm. well, you know, I've got a bunch of comments on it and then feedback, and it's grown. And it's probably it's kind of unwieldy right now, and I'm really not sure what to do with it. And we had a long conversation, and uh, we had some bounce some ideas off of each other. And he says, well, my offer still stands if you want to co-author it with me. So I decided at that point I would. Um, That's fantastic. So the, the gist of the book, it started out, uh, and I, you know, Lou will admit this, so I'm not, I'm not talking out of school. I'm not picking on him, uh, that it, it's kind of read like an economics textbook, just like you'd think a banker would write. And so when he, if he watches this podcast, yeah, he'll laugh. But um, so we turned it into a, what we call a business novel. We follow this fictitious um, couple, Nellie and Harvey, as they get out of their corporate jobs and begin to start a business. Mm -hmm. And it goes through the kind of necessarily detailed portion of preparing a business plan. Um, it's a little hard to read that part of it um, just because it's real. Yeah. And, you know, for, right. those of us that, for those of us that have created a business plan for a business we were starting, you know the pain that goes into that and the details and the I's you have to dot and the T's you have to cross. And then, oh, the banker that you're going to borrow money from, they got 117 more questions. Right. So by the time you got, you got this business plan and it takes weeks and weeks and weeks to do it. So um, it's, it's very real. And people go, yeah, that part's kind of hard to read. And we go, yeah, but when you do it, you'll understand why we wrote it that way. Mm -hmm. And so it goes through the launch phase and then, and then we kind of cut off and then we slip and we call that working in the business. Then there's the second section of working on the business where mm -hmm. that's where you know, the growth really can take off. And that's where the techniques that we talk about that I talk about in my coaching business um, ties in with what we talk about in the book, how you need to step back from being in the middle of every little thing, not, not wear every possible hat in the business and, uh, and, and, and let it grow. You know, get out of the way, let it grow, hire good people. We talk in there a lot about the BizFab Five, which is um, 
economics, accounting, finance, business law, and communication. Mm. And communication in there is, is really the most important one of all of those. Because if you're going to lead the business, you have to be really uh, an effective communicator. And, and so we, 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 we talk about that a lot in the book. And then ultimately, when we, when we get to the part where we're talking about working on the business, that's where that communication comes in in a big way. Because instead of having everything that's just in your head and you're doing it, you've right. got to communicate what's in your mind, translate it into something that the, the people that are working for you and with you um, can use to take your vision and act it and make it come, become a reality. Um, and that's, that's the challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs that have, and I've worked with entrepreneurs as an employee, getting them to be able to articulate their vision in such a mm -hmm. way that the team members can take it and run with it is no small thing. And so we, we talk about that in the book. And then ultimately, um, we get to the point we, where we call the, the third section of the book is we call it working through the business which is where you realize the value that you've created in the business by making it turnkey, making it run without you being there on an hour to hour, day to day basis and being able to, we talk about business valuation a little bit, mm -hmm. what goes into that, how a business is valued. So they, they kind of have an idea of how that will work when they go to sell it and maybe have a business broker helping them um, exit the business so that they have a chunk of money I mean, that's, greater than their investment that they can use for, you know, at least part of their retirement. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of the progression throughout the book. And it's got every, after every section, there's a kind of a Q and a in there to, to help them take points away from the book. And, and uh, we think it's very useful. And, and uh, after the first section, uh, a pretty, a pretty fun read. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to diving into it myself. And for those of you who didn't catch the title before, um, start it, grow it, sell it by Jeff, Jeff yep. Rasmussen and Lou Bannock. Lou Bannock, that's correct. Yep. Start it, grow it, sell it, the journey of business. Yes, the journey of business. Very good. Excellent. On Amazon and on uh, draft to digital in every other format other than Kindle. So it's it's out yeah. there for however you read your books, it's out there. Perfect, perfect. So uh, then to that end, in terms of in terms of your past businesses. Um, and in terms of the current consulting business, um, but maybe kind of share what what have your growth strategies been? What have you consistently gone back to from a from a you know when you're trying to identify new opportunities, uh, get access to prospective clients, create those meaningful conversations? What are some of the strategies you've used in the past? What are some things you're doing now? Uh, sure. Obviously, the book itself. You know, um, I know how powerful a tool like that can be yeah. in terms of being visible, credible, establishing your authority in a marketplace. So you've got that tool now that maybe you didn't have before, but but kind of give us a, a quick overview about yeah. your experience related to that. Sure. You know, yeah, the, you're right. The book is a great tool. And that's kind of really where Lou and I are at on that. You know, we thought maybe it was going to be that was going to be the thing that we sold. Mm -hmm. And you know, as, as he and I both kind of approached retirement, we're working on what we're going to do with the book. Um, and we think it's really going to be a tool, you know, a tool in our tool bag as we maybe teach and coach and, and present to organizations. Um, we've both done things. He's, he, we live about four and a half hours away from each other. So he's worked with some high school scenarios down in southeastern Wisconsin. I'm in northwestern Wisconsin. I've done the same thing here. And just had really good results in, in you know, trying to plant seeds in the young entrepreneurial community. Mm -hmm. um, but 
you know, the, the big thing that I think has been really consistent in businesses that I've helped grow, even when I was in finance, you know, the, the main thing we've found is you've got to know who your customer is and, and don't just produce a product, solve their problem. Mm-hmm. You know, printing, I spent 20 plus years in printing and it's really easy and printing's kind of funny because it's the only industry that I can think of whose name is 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 derived by the process it's in that's you know, a great point yeah you know the automotive everything else is the product you know the automotive industry you know the, the food industry even mm-hmm. the restaurant industry it's it's the it's the building that you go into uh, but printing is the printing industry well that's the process nobody else is defined by their process correct so yeah. that was a bit of a challenge well we put ink on paper and we bind things together and we glue things together and we make brochures and and that worked for a long time until you know the early 2000s and it mm-hmm. became we got very commoditized yeah so we realized that we had to you know and, and the word pivots overused but really pivot the marketing message and, and we were kind of blessed because we knew lots of marketing agencies we printed for a lot of them so you know they kind of helped us change the mindset on that mm-hmm. and it was you know we don't just we don't just print a you know 48 page catalog we're printing, it's a printed document that has the solution to somebody's problem. in it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we had a myriad of customers. And so the whole idea behind it is we're, we're helping create the marketing for these companies and, yeah. and that they can solve their problem. Not just, we're just not putting ink on paper um, anymore. It's, it's, we're, it had, it had more value to it than that. And that really helped differentiate the business from the commodity printers that sold only on price there used to be an old joke. You can have price delivery and quality pick two out of three. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we didn't want to play that game anymore. And so, you know, to our owner's credit, um, you know, we, we made that move to being part of their marketing solution instead of just a printed product. You know, that's, I I don't mean to interrupt, but that's a huge point because in, in, in virtually any industry, I mean, in particular, Printing. I mean, yeah. I can imagine the upheaval that has happened over the last couple of decades related to printing. Um, but you're citing something I think that is pervasive in so many industries, and and ours and listeners and viewers included certainly in this idea of differentiation. How do you how do you separate yourself from every other so-called you know business strategist or business coach or consultant or whatever right. label or or word they want to use to describe what they do or who they are? Uh, how do you truly differentiate yourself? And, and you know, what you're talking about in terms of uh, of a printing company being able to, what I wrote down was, it, it was, you, you elevated the position of the company, right? Yeah. So it was no longer about, you, you elevated yourself from basically vendor level to partner level, yeah. right? And that's more than just semantics, right? There's a true difference in how you would, how you, how you talked about what you did and then probably how you delivered your services and the, even the process through which you delivered the services. Right. So what kind of questions you were asking the client, you elevated that position and yeah. it wasn't just about, wasn't like you said, it wasn't just about putting ink on paper. It was truly finding out what the needs, challenges, desires, objectives were of the client. And then the way we happen to fulfill those is by putting the right, right ink in the right place on the right paper. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you're right. It, it does it does elevate to the partner level because we're helping them solve a problem, mm-hmm. and and that really translates to what I'm doing now. And, you know, even to the auto auto repair business, there's a very clear problem. 
my car doesn't move. <laughs> That's right. I need to get to from point A to point B. Yeah. So you know, it, that industry is very clear because it's the auto repair industry. We fix what's broken. Yeah. And you know, in the Midwest, Midwestern U.S. especially, we live and die by our vehicles. Mm -hmm. so you, know, you know, if you're living in Chicago, you know, New York City, L.A., there's a lot of public transport. Right. You know, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where that where my shop is. Yeah, there's buses, but most people drive a car because sure. the buses yeah. only take certain routes. So, you know, and then a lot of people drive 40, 50 miles, not minutes, miles. We talk about minutes in the Midwest and it's miles in some of the big minutes. We talk about miles in the Midwest and it's minutes in a big city. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but it might be only four miles. And yeah. so we, we put miles on our vehicles in the Midwest. Um, so, yeah, it. it it's it's been kind of the same deal and so when i when i stepped into the coaching arena i realized okay there's a lot of businesses that i could help but you know where's the logical place for me to be well printing and manufacturing that's where i spent a big chunk of my time mm -hmm. uh, being in finance or operations or sales and marketing it doesn't really matter that's the industry that i know i know people in there i know the jargon um i i love those industries um, i like i like when something raw materials are turned into something new it just fascinates me um so then it was, okay, what problem am I solving? And there's lots of problems in, in the business that I could solve, but some of them really aren't in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. My wheelhouse is not how to find better employees. So there's, there's HR people out there to do that. Sure. Um, and can I help them with sales? Yeah, but I'm, you know, my, my background is in finance and operations. Mm -hmm. And so I can help you, I can help you know your numbers. Uh, we talking about in the book, we talk about know your numbers. And so many business owners do not know their numbers. Right. What's your gross margin? Uh, just blank stare. You know, they, they might guess a little bit, you know, how do you define, how do you define that? Well, then they can go figure it out. Yeah. But you got to use that in your business. And, right. and so that there's operational metrics. You know, what are your speeds? What, what's waste? Um, you know, what, what is your in, in printing? We use make ready. It's getting the press ready to print. So mm -hmm. with new digital presses, make ready's like that it used to take you know hours yeah and you, you whittled it from three to two hours that was a big win at 400 or 500 dollars an hour on the press so so yeah i mean I, I had to figure out what problem do i solve and and then just kind of reverse engineer from there what my services were going to be and and that gotcha. that works so yeah. let's talk about operations for a second um you know virtually every aspect of business is operationally driven in some shape, form, or fashion, whether it's yeah. whether it's strategic and intentional and planned, or whether it's just, oh, well, this is the way I'm going to do it today. Right. There's still a choice. There's still an operational choice being made, right? Yeah. Um, and so coming from the space that or the spaces that you've been in, uh, and knowing and knowing this market, right? Knowing the market of business coach, strategist, consultant, and the nature of selling a service, the nature of selling, you know, your expertise, your knowledge, your skill, your service into another business, mm -hmm. um, often to the business executives or, or the leader Absolutely. of that business. Um, I know that even, and you talked about this in the scope of your book, when I was just starting this new firm and I've started two or three companies before this one, and so I knew what was going into it, but there were still things, right? The laws change, things change. I having to learn new things. There were things that I had people do for me before that I was doing on my own or that I didn't have someone immediately readily at my fingertips to, to handle that for me. Right. Uh, but from an op standpoint, uh, considering 
a, a, a traditional consulting firm, someone starting a consulting firm or someone operating a consulting firm, what would you say are, um, you know, I can give you a couple of ex- examples of key challenges, um, but what, what do you see in terms of where a lot of people in our world uh, are going wrong operationally? And, and this, sure. this gets straight back to the point you were making before about how we become our own, uh, sometimes our own worst enemy. We become the bottleneck in terms of our delivery. Maybe speak yeah. to that a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, I think I think it was um, Debbie Edwards Deming said, um, one of the quality gurus, he said, all work is a process. And if it's a process, you can be measured. And if you can measure it, you can improve it. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that from the standpoint of, you know, a lot of consultants and coaches, you know, start out as solopreneurs, but, you know, and, and I, I did, and I've, I've had a period where I've spent more time marketing myself and generating business than I did actually coaching. Mm-hmm. And right. I didn't see that one coming, you know, <laughs> I mean, it didn't take long to see it. I'll tell you that. I mean, sure. And it lasted for a while because I had to generate some in- revenue to be able to hire somebody to do some of the marketing for me, which I've done. I mean, so at the end of the day, you know, you know, I'm not to the point now where I can step back from that business and have a team doing a lot of the stuff. So I've outsourced to, you know, marketing providers, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sales funnel people and got hired my own coach to help me do this better, that type of thing. But yeah, what the focus ultimately has to be is, as the, as the owner, or in my case, owner, chief cook and bottle washer, and, and, and as, as many things as I have to do, but not everything that I could do, right. I've got to focus on actually producing the revenue. You know, at the end of the day, my job is to coach people and help their businesses become more efficient, more effective, and, and grow and become turnkey. Yeah. So I had to, I had to shed the tasks that were preventing me from doing that. And, and that was, that was an evolution as well. I mean, I, I started out doing everything and I, and I kind of recommend that actually to do everything. So you find out what it takes to get it done, because when you do have to hand it off, then you can be, you can, you can coach whoever you're handing it off to on all the things that all the times you stubbed your toe. So they right. don't, repeat, they don't re, you know, reinvent the wheel. So you kind of hand if you can hand them a, almost ready-made process and say, look, I know you're an expert in this. I know you're an expert in lead gen, for example, mm-hmm. but here's the things that I did wrong. Here's the things that I found out don't work in, 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 in my target market, right? You know, printing and printing and manufacturing. So, so I could, I could hand that off. So I, I do recommend that owners do everything, but not forever, but not forever. Yeah. There's a time. And sometimes it's easy to recognize the time. And sometimes it's not easy to recognize Hey, I need to let go of more. You know, I've, I've got a, I've got a client that um, he knew he needed to do something because he's he's getting to the age of where he's thinking about selling, mm-hmm. and he he knew he needed some help. He just didn't know what to do. Um, and right. so we've been working through that, and he, he's been handing off this and that, and, and we've we've gotten a lot of things off of his plate over the last couple of months. Um, he's at the point where now he's going to hire he's going to hire somebody to do estimating and purchasing which is like the biggest remaining piece of what he's been doing and so he can because he, he even said you know i think i need to hire somebody to do the estimating for me that was his idea 
So he, yeah, there he was go. awesome because he gets it now. Yeah, he's getting he it. Yeah. turned on. And so we went through that, worked on a job description. I said, okay, now what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on making sure my guys are well-trained, think about what training we need, um, be out in the community more. And, you know, it, it's, it's like pre-selling. Yes. You know, the est- at the end of the day, the estimate is part of the sales process, but he's going to be out there, be the face, be the face of the business instead of doing the work that he used to do. He used to, as he said, I used to get in a truck every day. Well, right. now he's not going to do that. So, yeah, I think when you're in what we do, you've got to shed the things that aren't the actual revenue generation process until we get to the point where we grow it. And then we become like the head coach and we've got coaches out there that are out coaching business, you know, business owners for us. Yeah. Um, The model, I mean, that approach, that philosophy, that model makes perfect sense to me. I was thinking back to what I heard. um, I can't remember exactly where it came from, but this idea of leaders and owners of businesses, you know, we often have to start at that $10 an hour level work, right? The low, the low level work where we're doing everything. Yeah. We're, we, we are our own taskmaster and we, we are wearing every hat, but I agree with you. I think it's important. I think it's valuable. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's not mandated for everybody, but I think it's really valuable for the owner to roll up their sleeves. At least it has been for me um, yeah. to roll up my sleeves and get into, right. I am, you do not want me doing finance or accounting very long, <laughs> but but I need to know I need to know what gross margin yeah. is. I need to know how to run QuickBooks. I need to know what my login is at least, right? Right. Um, and so I, I think it's been very valuable to learn that stuff uh, to a point, and then at some point you're like, okay, now I need to turn it over to to an expert, to someone who they can focus solely on that, and that frees up my time. And you move from the $10 an hour work to the $100 an hour work to hopefully the $1,000 and $10,000 an hour work, right? right like you right. said, revenue generating um, activity. And one of the things that I always talk about, um, and I'd love to hear you know, your, your thinking around this idea of, of resource allocation, because I've always said that the difference between a struggling business and a successful business is one thing. And that is how they allocate their available resources. It's not their amount of resources they have available. Yeah. It's how they allocate their available resources. So in your experience, uh, thinking about a boutique consulting firm, someone who could be a solopreneur or just has two, three, four, five team members, and they're looking to scale and grow. Yeah. When it comes to, cre- maybe they don't have, maybe they have a process here or there, but when it comes to them creating out this playbook uh, to, to continue the metaphor or um, to design their own, you know, SOPs or their processes, where would you recommend, how do you recommend they think about solving that problem? Because I know that's not an area of my expertise, certainly, but I, I can tell you so many of my clients have trouble with that type of thing, right? It's one of those things where, oh, I'll get to that eventually, or I'm yeah. so busy right now, I don't have time for it, or, and they keep putting it off, putting it off. Um, how would you recommend they wrap their head around it and then actually get get moving on it? Get it done, yeah. Well, and you're right. I mean, leadership, a big piece of leadership is resource allocation. There's no doubt about it. Um, if you're leading instead of doing, that's your primary, one of your primary functions. Um, right. So you're spot on on that. I agree with you. Um, as far as getting that done, there's a couple of ways to, to me that you can get that done. One is you just you, you block out calendar time and force yourself to do it. Now, the smart move is to involve whoever is working in those tasks 
to help you do it because mm -hmm. they probably are doing it differently than you think they're doing it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what I find. Yeah. Um, if something, you know, if, if, you know, I've got, you know, clients that, you know, they'll think, well, here's how this works. Then I, th then we actually dig into it a little bit. Oh yeah. We're not doing exactly like that. You know, they're basically right. Yeah. But there's little subtleties that the people who are in it, they, they recognize the pain and they change it. So they don't have the pain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the one way to do it is to have the owner just create, do the discipline and, and get in there and get them written with yeah. the help of the people that are in the process. I really, really, I can't stress that enough. Have the people that are in the midst of the process, um, write most of it. And yeah. then you, you be the reviewer and the blesser because you may find out that they change something that makes their life easier, but it's negatively affecting the business and they mm -hmm. can't see that, you know, sure. force, force for the trees thing. The right. other thing is bringing somebody from the outside to do it for you. I mean, if it just really isn't your forte or you just, it makes you sick to your stomach thinking about doing it. I mean, it, that it accounting's that way for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I can't, I kind of do it in my sleep uh, and I, and I still do it for my own business, which I've, it's a no, no, I get it, but I can do it in so little time yeah. compared to most people though. So I just do it, but yeah, there, but there are things that I just don't want to do. You know, I, I don't like cold calling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I would have somebody doing that for me. Um, you know, I've, we talked, when we talked the last time, you know, I told you I've used LinkedIn for my, my lead gen. Right. That I kind of like because they're, they're kind of warmed up. They at least connected with me. Right. Now I can have a conversation with them and not feel like I'm pestering them. Yeah. Um, being a pest to somebody, it's just not my thing. Um, but if I know, if I'm talking to them and learning about their business and they have something I can help them with, Great. I'm doing them a disservice by not saying, Hey, I can help you with that. If they say no, okay. Right. But, you know, at that point, we're kind of friends. Mm -hmm. So it's no big deal. You know, it just, yeah. I mean, you got to find those things that make you nauseous and you don't <laughs> want to do those. That's the whole idea behind having your own business. You exactly. You do those. So. I think, I think that's as good advice I've ever heard, frankly, <laughs> Jeff, is find the things that make you nauseous and either grit and bear it and get those done first or go ahead and let someone else uh, knock them out uh, for yeah, you. There's, there's probably somebody that likes the things you don't. That's well, it's you know, we all plug each other's holes. That's as you grow your firm, yeah. keep bringing in people that do things well that you don't do well. Yep. There's Absolutely. no sense duplicating that. You know, don't bring in another you. Bring in somebody who's not like you and they fill in for your gaps. Right. Right. I think that's I think that's really good. Um, really good direction and advice. Um, real quick, you mentioned LinkedIn. Talk a little bit about this kind of backtracking a little bit, but I think this is valuable. Uh, talk a little bit about what you do on LinkedIn, what your experience has been like. Uh, obviously, you know, at the time of this, um, at the time of recording this interview, LinkedIn just kind of put the kibosh on frequency and amount of messaging uh, just in the last few weeks. Right. Um, but I think it's still an incredibly valuable platform when it's used properly. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of, if you don't mind, describe yeah. how you are using it in terms of I'm, filling out your network, creating new opportunities. Yeah, I'm, I'm still using it. I've had to retool. Um, it's probably been, I'm going to say six weeks since my account mm -hmm. got, you know, kind of the bug where yeah, right. I'm not allowed <laughs> to send out more than 100 connection requests a week. I was doing right. 375 to 400 a week and that gave me plenty of pipeline. 
sure to reach out to people you know and it it's like any it's like any funnel you 400 here and then you know 80 connect with you and then you know one or two are willing to have a conversation and one of them becomes a client so and that's fine well now i get I get 25 out of a hundred. So now you start doing the math and I'm going to get a new, new client every, every six months or something like that. You know, Everything's right? much slower. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's much slower. So, and I do, I was just on an, I was just on a, a, a webinar this morning um, that duck soup put on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I use duck soup actually. I use it to automate my connections. Yeah. It just, it's easy. It just, that's one of those things. It's like snore, you know, just, it felt like completely non-value added work. So I automated it. Yep. Yep. Um, and it didn't overdo it. You know, the people that overdo it, you get in LinkedIn jail. And so if yep. LinkedIn's watching, yes, I use it. Sorry. Um, but, um, <laughs> so, but th- what they were talking about was taking your search lists on and sales navigator, I think is a really important piece of it because the search capabilities of sales navigator. Yeah, I know it's 80 bucks a month. Some it's a lot for some people. I get it. It's a lot for me. Um, but I bet the bullet and it paid for itself very quickly mm-hmm. because the search capabilities are, are so intense. You can mm-hmm. really parse your list to just the ones that are, you think are the best chance to connect with you. Yeah. Um, Cause absent the connection, you're nowhere. So, and the one thing that I have this agency doing for me now is, and, and I didn't know you could do this because I, I didn't study it hard enough really, but with sales navigator, you can pick not only who you want, who you don't want. So, right. They have the suppression option where you, right. yeah. yeah. So they're suppressing like 15 different things on my, on my searches. Right. And that's really helped really helped because now my, my, my connection rates definitely took a spike. Yeah. It's taking a spike to use proper grammar. Um, and, and that's, that's helped me out a lot. And, and I've just, I just got a couple responses today that sound like, okay, I need to get on the phone with these people. Um, yep. because they got some struggles and so it's been a while to be honest and, and so they've they've helped me and yeah it's still there i think um you know something that i i want to do and something i thought about early on in this is probably is um create a presentation and do a little more public speaking to augment mm-hmm. um, linkedin because i don't think it can be my only tool now it was for you know, my my first quarter was the best quarter i've had and that was prior to linkedin turn mm-hmm. my account dialing me down some others have been dialed down by then i guess i understand it now yes, but yeah um by by may i guess it's been more than a few months it's been may or june i think is when i got dialed mm-hmm. back but yeah um yeah i think I, i'm gonna need more than just that going forward so i've i've, I've got to sit down and work on a presentation and then get out in front of some people and make some make some speeches to chambers of commerce and things like that where my target market is now it'll probably necessarily make me not necessarily be in front of printers all the time, which I really like working with, but that's okay. I can help any small to medium sized entity. Um, printing is a logical place for me to, you know, to market in because sure. of the background. Right. But, but, but know, the principles apply across principles apply industry, yeah. industry, any industry, any business. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in, I can be more local you know, I can work with, I do have an electrician who's a client. I've had a, 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 a contractor who was a client. Sure. Well, I'm not just, I don't just work with printers. That's mm-hmm. just where I market myself um, because it's logical. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can work with anybody. So I think I need to do that. That's my next step that I'm, that I'm working on the plans for that 
to, to get out and, uh, you know, be in front of community members a, a little more than just, you know, you know, Siemens on Sunday at church or in a restaurant yeah. or something like that. So, yeah, well, I, you and I spoke about this on our previous conversation, you know, you know, I'm, uh, I, I will affirm your, your, your direction hundred percent. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of live presentations, whether virtual or, or in person, mm-hmm. uh, probably in, you know, going to be a combination prior pre pandemic, during pandemic, well, during pandemic, all virtual, but yeah. post pandemic, all going to be you know, a hybrid between in-person and, and virtual presentations sure. between that and what you're doing on LinkedIn and then leveraging, you know, your authorship, co-authorship of, of the book. Yeah. I think you're, you're positioned incredibly well to, to really, you know, have, have a lot of meaningful impact, but thank you for sharing, you know, what you did around your process on LinkedIn you know, you talked about the connection automation, and I think that's really important too. And I hope that people heard that um, because the reality is there are there are you know this is this is part of that this is part of the operations aspect of business, right? We didn't talk about automation, but you can you can automate, delegate, and outsource. Um, and this automation piece, I think, is really critical. Now, you can go. You you alluded to this. You said it. You can go too far. On the automation piece. And so I always tell my clients, you know, automate the things that make sense to automate, but stop there. Right. And when, when you need to pick up that personal um, relationship, could you automate that part of it? Yeah, you could, but you're probably going to pay the price short-term or long-term. Certain things need to be interpersonal, need to be relational, need to be manual in that sense. So there's, there's, you know, to me for what I do, and I think for a lot of, a lot of, a lot of your, your audience does, the the you got to get it you know as, as one of the linkedin gurus says you got to take them off linkedin right exactly. you got to get on, you got to get on a call with them or a meeting you know across the table or a, a zoom meeting or something like that and right and really you're not very few people are doing deals on linkedin on the platform you know Correct. Yeah, there's, no, right. there's there's the cold there's the cold speculators that we all get hit with which right is, why the limit now because there was a ton of that exactly right um, and and yeah i i know linkedin has terms of services and you're not supposed to use automation tools but i know they i be honest if, if i'm you know when you're paying 80 bucks a month for sales navigator getter they give you a little bit of leeway and i'm trying right. to make sure i stay under those limits and and yeah it's kind of like a wink wink nudge nudge thing but um, yeah, you ultimately you've got to create a relationship, and it's the old know, like, and trust. Right. And you got to get get them to know you and like you and trust you before they're going to buy from you. That's just that is any sales environment anywhere on the planet. Yep. That's 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 how you grow. And and it's been that way since a long life for forever. Oh, it will be yeah. that way forever. It's just the nature of how we how we create that visibility and that trust. Yeah. Um, you know, and likability uh, changes, yeah. right? And so we have these different media tools available, but the process, no like trust, uh, is is the same. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and LinkedIn is a great platform for you know, posting articles, commenting on people's feed. Absolutely. Um, I I kind of go like this. I'm up and down on that. I get really busy on it for a while, and sure. and then kind of my brain runs out of ideas, so I don't post for a while. And then I get back to posting and just. You know, life throws commentary at you, and I go, oh, I can post it. That's that. something to write about. Yeah, yeah, that's something to write about. And so then I'll get two or three of those 
in a month and I might go a month. I'm kind of in that lull right now. I haven't had any real inspirational things I want to talk about, but um, sometimes I'll just read an article and share it. You know, I'll mm-hmm. read an article in a magazine or the e version of a magazine. You know, Forbes magazine's always got good stuff. Fast Company's got great stuff. Inc. magazine's got great stuff. And so I'll just take an article and it just, it may not be printing related, although I do things, take things out of printing impression magazine and put them up there for my printing clients. But, you know, there's anything that's a good leadership related article, for example, Um, you know, football coach, Tony Dungy, he's great. I mean, Mm -hmm. follow Tony Dungy. If you're, whether you like sports or not, the man, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a devout Christian. He's a gentle man. He's brilliant. Um, Great leader. Just, yeah, there's people like that out there. Find them and find, find people that speak to your your, your personal, you know, what, what goes on inside your head and heart. Yeah. You follow them and it, it really helps you out. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a, you know, uh, LinkedIn in particular in the B2B space is such a, um, a rich universe of opportunity. Yeah. And so I think it's, I think it's, you know, largely only limited to, uh, to terms of service uh, yeah. and our imaginations, you know, in terms of what's possible on LinkedIn, but it's amazing. Some of the connections. And when I say connections, I do mean the, the, the transactional connection that's made real, on LinkedIn connect and I accept, but, but I really mean relationships and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Jeff that we met on LinkedIn. We did. We did. Um, I think I sent out a LinkedIn, uh, a connection request. You accepted it. We started a conversation and here we are. Yeah, so, um, you know, this is, it is a fantastic platform when, again, when it's used properly uh, and thoughtfully, like you've described. Yeah, that's good. Um, as we come up on our time here, Jeff, one last question, um, not necessarily an easy question, but I think a very valuable question. You've had an extensive career, done a lot of different things, had tremendous impact in different industries and in different ways, um, sort of asking you to aggregate all of that experience uh, into just a few short sentences. What have been your best lessons learned? And, and really, this, you know, I have people ask, well, business lessons or personal lessons? either or both, uh, what have been the most impactful personal or business lessons you've learned from your business career that, that you might impart or share with, with sure. the, the audience? Well, I think this lesson applies to both business and personal. And that is, and, and it's this, be curious. Mm-hmm. Um, here I, here, you know, I tell so many people that people ask me about, you know, taxes and you know, things that you would ask a bean counter, you know, <laughs> right. I, I go, you know, I don't know. I've been out of that for so long. I really, I thought you, I thought you went to school for accounting. I did, but my life and career took me other places. Well, how did you end up doing that? I said, I was curious. I was curious. I wanted wow. to learn about it. It interested me and it interested me so much that I wanted to do that for a job for a while. Mm-hmm. How did you get it? How did you become well, when I, the business broker that helped me buy the auto repair business, right? Brian, he, he, he knew me, he was a banker and I was a chief financial officer at a printing company. And, and we just kind of stayed in touch over the years. Um, and I called Brian up one day as I was driving back home from the job that turned out not to be a great job after I lost my printing job. And I said, I see you that have an auto repair shop for sale. And he said, yeah, why? I said, I'm interested. He said, why? And all he knew, I was a finance guy. Right. Well, he had no idea my first job in high school was working in a gas station back when gas stations actually repaired cars. Right. Some of you on the watching this will remember that. Um, 
but yeah, be curious and uh, learn. And, and it, it just leads to so many cool learnings that, you know, curiosity did to kill the cat. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it hasn't killed me yet. So. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the note is, is a fantastic one. Uh, I wrote it down, put a big star next to it. I, as we are all human beings, we all have varied interests or most people have varied interests. Some people are laser focused and that's the lane they stay in. And, and that's great. But I think a lot of us have varied interests. And um, when we're in the role of business leader or entrepreneur, or we're starting our own business, we often think, or even after we've had our business for a while, right? We often think, oh, we've, we've, you know, our, our, uh, our die is cast, right? Yeah. We are, we, we feel, we feel stuck where we are uh, and that we won't be able to transition out um, of that role. And I think it's, I think that's a self-imposed, I'm confident that's a completely self-imposed limitation. Absolutely. Uh, I think if we can stoke that curiosity, it, it, it will lead us into different paths and, and, and maybe the path you go down, you turn around and come back, but that's okay. Yeah. Right. You had that, you had that experience and you probably learned a lot from it. Worst case scenario. Sure. So, um, and then on the flip side, it could lead you into something that is more fulfilling or more exciting or just different than what you've been doing. It opens up the world of opportunity just by maintaining that curiosity and letting yourself, oh, right. Yeah. Allowing yourself to be curious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, the things that the things that I've learned, I mean, just just from being curious, and a lot of them didn't turn out to be a business thing. Yeah, it's just you know, my wife always go will ask me. She goes, "Where did you learn that?" Because I'll <laughs> spit out some kind of information. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, um, and I go, "Oh, I, you know, I, I, I was talking to somebody, and they and they they mentioned something, so I went and researched it and learned about it." You know, I, cool. I'm probably the king of trivial trivia. I mean, I just know all kinds of things that are semi-useless to me, but I know them, don't I? Well, that's good. I'm not sitting down with you to play Trivial Pursuit anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, you and my father-in-law, that's, that's tough. Um, listen, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for your generous time today, your expertise. I have uh, two pages full of notes <laughs> just from our conversation here. So I trust everyone got a lot of great value from it. I look forward yeah, thank you. I will look forward to our next conversation sometime soon. Great. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Absolutely. For Consulting with Authority, this is Scott Cantrell wishing you all the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects, and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, Make sure you are consulting with authority.